Hello and welcome to ProStock the podcast. This is your host, Dani Coronel, and in today's episode about the beauties of writing, we have Alara Thomas. Hi, guys. Alara, how are you, queen? Fine, and you? I'm great. Alara, Alarita, you're one of my closest <laughs> friends and my first friend I met in the writing world. Do you want to tell us a bit about yourself? Sure. Um, hi guys, my name is Odor Thomas. I graduated from Catholic University of America uh, with three majors, English, Spanish for International Service, and Anthropology. I love um, horseback riding because when I was seven I watched the movie Spirit and I decided that I had to do that too, so I totally did. Um, and I love learning about English history, particularly the Plantagenet dynasty. I adore the Plantagenet dynasty. Uh, I will not shut up about it. And I love um, the ancient Egypt um, and weird things about genetics <laughs> and crimes. <laughs> That's why I studied anthropology. <laughs> but, but yeah, I have been writing since I was nine years old. Um, a little bit more seriously since I was 11 and nine I was starting. Um, but, um, and I write YA fantasy and adult fantasy and science fiction and a little bit of crime and rope. Interesting. One of the things I know about Aldara is that she has a thousand works in progress. How many works in progress do you have, Aldara? Oh my god, um, I have to count them. So I have the YA trilogy Legend of the Airs. The first book is Butterflies That Never Die. Um, so that's three, and then I have the Extinction Duology. The first one is an adult fantasy called The Broken Prince, so now that's five. And then I have a duology that I'm working on with a friend, so we're co-writing it. And it's an adult um, science fiction slash urban fantasy. So that's seven. And then I have a crime slash romance one, so that's eight. And that will probably, but I'm not too sure, have a sequel, so nine. 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 I hope I'm not forgetting anything. But really, I'm only working on three at a time, really, because um, Butterflies and Never Die is already finished, and it's on the process of querying. I am working on book two, um, doing um, The Broken Prince. I'm co-writing science fiction, one that I mentioned with my friend. And the other ones are a little bit of the side, so I'm not really working on them. So really, I'm working on three at the time. Not too crazy. That, that was my next question. How do you balance them? How, how do you, like, do you just go for the one that you want to write that day? Or do you have a schedule? No, I don't have a schedule. I don't work with schedules. I cannot do that because I, I know that they work for a lot of people and I respect that. And I'm actually, I wish that I could have a schedule, but I don't. I usually prefer to write at night. Not the ideal thing sometimes, but it's when inspiration strikes. And sometimes, I mean, whenever I can, I like to sit down and just write a little bit because it's, what, it's something that I enjoy so much. It's just so relaxing no matter what's going on in the scene. How do you how do you manage to work on so many works in progress at the same time? So how do I manage? So really, I 
I have to admit, right now I'm just focusing, really focusing on querying Butterflies That Never Die and drafting the Broken Prince, so that's not so much workload that it would be impossible to balance the two of them together and balance them with doing other things um, that I have to do with all the responsibilities and everything. Um, so it's not that hard. But when I do have many more things to do at the same time, or if I have to focus on more uh, books at the same time, I do sometimes work one week on one work in progress and then the other week on one of them. And if inspiration doesn't strike, then I usually just work on whatever I feel like working on. But if not, the ideal would be like, yeah, to have, it's not really in a schedule because as I said, I don't work with schedules, but to balance the amount of time that I dedicate to each um, book that I plan to write. For the listener, well, I for once <laughs> have read Butterflies That Never Die, which is an amazing book and I can't wait for it to come out. You're such a talented writer. Thank you. Would you mind explaining a bit what it is about? And um, Which, by the way, before you say that, I have to say, Butterflies That Never Die was the pitch, the fifth pitch in the most upvoted pitches in the pitch wars <laughs> in pit math. You got six, six hundred. Six hundred and something, yes. Retweets. Thank you, thank you. That's just congratulations. Thank you. I couldn't believe it because the first time that I participated in pit math, I had like 11 retweets. And I thought that was already like a huge amount, like, oh my god, I had 11 retweets, you know, like, and then suddenly I woke up one day in the, the first time was in December, and then in September I started like getting notifications and I was like, what happened? And then I saw that I was, yeah, in the list of the five most retweeted and I, it was, it, it was a nice surprise to be sure. Yeah, congratulations. It's just, Thank you, you so much. You deserve it so much. You deserve it so much. Thank you. Can you explain a bit what it is? So it's a young adult fantasy that is set between our world, actually in Windsor, England, and a fictional world called Elden in a country called Ladyanor, uh, where people are human and animal shapeshifters. So they are each born with the power to transform into one animal and have some degree of elemental powers. And so Hannah has lived most of her life without memories in a boarding school in Windsor until following some clues left behind by her best friend who holds many secrets. She manages to open the gateway to um, Lady Anor and she didn't know that she was the reincarnation of a divine entity that the people there have been waiting for for 10,000 years to wage war against the current queen. Who is not very happy that Hannah has shown up, showed up, you know? Where did the idea for for butterflies come from? Oh, I started working on some of the characters when I was writing very short stories when I was nine years old, and that's when I started writing and reading. And then when I was eleven, I decided. Well, I remembered one day that I decided, hey. So many people have written books, why can I not write my own with my own characters, you know, because I have these characters that I have been created, creating for short stories and things, so I basically realized that they had another story of their own that was much bigger, and that was, throughout the years it became um, The Legend of the Heirs, Butterflies Never Die, 
and um, they're shapeshifters because when I was 11 I loved animals so much and I would have loved real people in real world to be able to transform into animals. That started snowballing this monster of world building that then turned into a into a trilogy that I, I love so much and I'm so happy that I decided to take on the project when I was so young. How, okay, one of the things that really grabbed my attention when I was reading, quite literally, was were the cliffhangers. You do really good cliffhangers. Thank you. That's because I'm mean. <laughs> you are really mean. <laughs> how do you do them? How do you, how do you manage to just keep the reader so engaged and just like, just dragging you till the end by the throat it's just it's it's basically that it's me subconsciously wanting you to finish the book and so yeah i do the little cliffhangers like oh you thought you could put the book down and go to sleep no <laughs> so it's it's no it's just i really enjoy writing cliffhangers because it's I don't know, it's something that I've always enjoyed and I treat every chapter as an individual mini story within the larger story that is the book. So since I love ending books in cliffhangers so much, so those mini stories that are the chapters within the larger story also of course had to be <laughs> cliffhangers. Also the, the, there's a thing with me having multiple points of view characters, since I'm going to jump probably, not always, but probably to another um character in the following chapter i always like whenever i do that i usually cut my cliffhanger leaves you wandering a little bit until you get to see that character again yeah you do you're really mean <laughs> not mean always sometimes it's good sometimes it's mean <laughs> most times it's mean sometimes it's okay. good um i wanted to ask you okay so a bit of context Lara and I tend to disagree about this thing, which is called the three-act story structure. We have many disagreements about it. Yeah, it's it's the core of our disagreements. It's just, it doesn't work for everyone. Yeah, I guess, I, I mean, I agree with that, but we have to, like, be controversial. So, okay, let me Google it quickly to so that I can see the specific so if you go on Google and you Google three act structure so okay so there's this graph right and it says act one it says beginning inciting instant second thoughts climates of act one and then obstacle obstacle midpoint a big twist obstacle disaster crisis right and I think some people become too entangled in that structure so instead of um working organically on their story like they come up with these characters and these characters have these story okay let's just put a little bit on of order on that story and write it down no i think that people want to create a story around the three-act structure and that's when their problems begin because they're it's not <laughs> what guilty right you're guilty so i think i think that you get stuck because you're trying to force the story to do something because that because it's what the three-act structure is telling you that has to happen but it's not really what your characters want to do or what the story wants to happen and wants it to happen at that point you know 
for example, with you, I think that's that's that what happens that you're trying to force something and it's not really what has to happen, but you're so focused on the fact that the three act structure is telling you that that has to go on at that specific point in the story. And I, one thing that I do believe is that there has to be three major points of conflict in the story. One at the beginning, of course, the inciting incident. So that's where everything goes to hell. And then something at the middle. And then, of course, the climax. The big, big one. Um, so I think, yeah, you have to have those three minimum conflict points. But the rest, I think you can just play around with it a little bit more. And see what fits your story and what fits your characters. And not what something on a picture on Google tells you. It, I know it's more than a picture on Google. I know that it's a scary theory and everything. And I studied it. But it doesn't always work. It doesn't always work. And that's one thing that they will tell you. Is that you have to do what's right for your story. And not what people tell you that you have to do. Because if every single story was the same. Where's the surprise, you know? Yeah. Okay. Alana, this is my podcast. You don't, you don't have to call me out like this. Excuse me. You're the one who raised your hand. So I am not calling you out. I am agreeing with you. Um, I wanted to ask you if you would consider yourself a plotter or a panther. I am a plotter. I am definitely a plotter. I have journals for each of my works in progress and I was a little bit more organized before. I used to color code everything. For example, I had pages where I had notes about the characters and I had notes where... and I had pages that the notes were about um, the chapters and I had to outline everything and I had pages of dialogue because I even planned out the dialogue ahead of writing it so that when I got to a certain important scene I would already have the dialogue ready. Um, I still do that sometimes, not always, but sometimes for certain really major plot points. I have these, these notebooks that are absolute madness. And now I'm still a plotter, I'm just more relaxed with the broken prints because I realized that over-plotting doesn't always work. Well, over-outlining, I still plot, definitely. I know what happens at the beginning, I know what happens at the, at the middle, I know what happens at the end, I know what happens basically in every single chapter. It's just that I only meticulously plan the chapters now, three chapters ahead from the point where I currently am in the draft. It's not that I have the whole thing mapped out. So, but if I try to do that with butterflies, it wouldn't work. So it depends on what book I'm writing, which is weird because at the, at the end, in the end, I am the author, right? Same thing should work all the time, but no, it, it depends on the story. Depends on the story. Do you, so do you think you can over outline? I don't think you can over outline uh, because I so with over outline do you mean that like more than necessary like in a negative way or yeah in a negative way I say it depends sometimes for example with 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 the broken prints I would have to agree um, if I try to plan every single detail when I try to write the chapters it doesn't work for some reason I get I get really frustrated and I get start getting blocked and that doesn't happen with butterflies. With butterflies, I need to have every single thing meticulously planned. So with one book, it would be impossible to over outline. And with another, it happens all the time and I have to pants it a little bit more. So I would have to half agree that yes, you can over outline. I do think that you cannot over outline with world building though. I mean, yeah, we had this conversation, didn't we? Uh, 
You were mean. <laughs> you were I mean. I wasn't mean. I said that you could get stuck world building, which is what happened to me. That I was world building for. No, 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 no. No, you, no, you, you posted something about um, not having to know everything about your world or something, and. For some reason, you read it as not have to know how the sewer system works. Oh, yeah. But what I meant is that you do need to know the history of your world and the that geography and the people and the culture yeah. and the traditions and that. So you do need to know everything about your world. Oh, definitely. You do. But I... Yeah. It was a misunderstanding. It, it was, was a misunderstanding. misunderstanding. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's the thing. <laughs> but, we just yeah. fight all the time. <laughs> But yeah, because sometimes, sometimes some fantasy worlds in especially traditionally published YA books lately, they fall a little bit flat, just a little bit. Because yeah, they there's this um, trend in which people are divided into groups, and basically that's as far as the world building goes. I'm not complete. I do like it. I do like it. It's just that sometimes, sometimes it falls a little bit flat. Sometimes they try to like just sell you the idea as it is mm-hmm. trying to explain you why mm-hmm. or yeah there's no like compelling history behind it and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't and i think that also depends on the reader some readers might love the way some books are written and others would hate for it to be for there to be too much world building i don't know it depends i love world building <laughs> so I, I do love it as well, but I, 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 yeah, the way I read the question was just like world building every single detail and trying to ask yourself like every single detail. Yeah, you understood it as, oh, do you have to know the sewer system? No. Well, it depends though. Sometimes you do. <laughs> yeah, sometimes if, if, if your book takes place in a sewer, maybe you do. You would be surprised. You would be surprised with the amount of book scenes that happen in sewers. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> okay, <laughs> moving on. Um, you do write a lot of series. Well, you, you don't have a single standalone. Mm, I might have one at some point because one of the duologies that I have might en- might end up being a standalone. But and actually, one of the duologies that I have, the one that I'm working on with my friend, um, both books work as standalones. But yes, I do love writing series and trilogies and duologies. How do you do a series? That's my question. How do you do that? How do you do that? So how do I do it? Um, I need to have the main storyline. So for example, in the Lord of the Rings, I know you haven't read it or watched the movies. Shame on you. <laughs> but I'm sure that with all the things that they're out there are out there on the internet and memes and pop culture and everything, you know. So the beginning is with Frodo in the in the Shire, and the ending has to be to destroy the ring and destroy Sauron and destroy the Eye and go to Mordor and everything, right? So, okay, that's the main storyline. That's what has to happen throughout all books and it has to drag on until the very ending. And then you have the individual stories. So each book in the series or trilogy or duology, whatever you want, has to have an individual story that has a beginning and has an end and that connects to the second one and the third one and the fourth one and however many books you have. So it's very simple after all, it's just 
yeah, it's just to have a main storyline that you can focus on and then the individual ones. And it's better if you have distinct themes that stand out, that make like each individual book in the, in the series to stand out. So, for example, I wanted for Butterflies That Never Die 2 for the sequel, I wanted the distinct theme of that book to be something that had something to do with the ocean and the water and that is its distinct theme that has nothing to do with the other two books in the trilogy and it so that's it's what happens in the ocean it's it, it's it's individual storyline that connects to the main storyline in the entire saga do you have a, a distinct way in how you outline them not really it's just I, yeah, I need to know the I need to know how the beginning and the ending. So I I I do need to decide what part of the main storyline goes into which book. What fits into the what fits in with the main individual with the individual um, storyline of that, that particular book, and basically decide where to chop the main storyline in pieces. You know. I guess my next question is how do you avoid the super uh, a supernatural CW situation? Supernatural CW situation. I know exactly what you what you mean. So for those out there who have watched the show, you would all know, I hope that the show was supposed to end with season 5. And the main storyline throughout all those first 5 seasons was the apocalypse, how it was gonna get to that point, uh, what role the Winchester brothers had to play in it, and basically what, like, it, basically the main storyline, what's supposed to be the second heavenly war of Lucifer against Michael and Winchester's were the vessels and how the hell they resolved that situation, right? And it was perfect. It was beautifully scripted. It was beautifully made. I loved it, the ending was emotional, it was satisfying and everything, and then they decided to basically milk the money cow. But the problem is that once you have ended the main storyline that dragged throughout the whole thing, so in this case five seasons, and in a book that could be like the trilogy or something, so once you have ended that, the problem is that most often to write another book beyond that with the same characters it basically destroys everything that has happened beforehand so how you avoid that situation is to put an ending to the story like to decide where the ending is going to be and commit to that ending and if you have something else planned ahead plan it beforehand so don't just decide, oh, this has been successful, let me keep working with this, because everything's already tied up. What are you gonna do? Unless there are loose ends left to tie up, it doesn't really work. If there are still loose ends that you can work with, then by all means, keep writing beyond the that established ending that was from the beginning. But if not, just stop. Good advice right there. Um, I wanted to ask you a bit about querying. Um, how's that going for you? It's a nightmare. So, querying. I am not, I'm not doing as bad as I really think that I was because I have been taking it easy 
I have been agent. Uh, I have been querying agents slowly, so I didn't send out batches of queries to a large number of agents at the same time because I didn't really know if the query was working or not. So I decided not to risk it with many agents at the same time. I'm going to start picking up the pace right now because <laughs> dragging on a little bit too much. But um, but yeah, I don't have nearly as many rejections as what is expected for a first time author to have. So I am not worried yet. Um, I once met an author who had 180 rejections before he got an agent and eventually published. So I, I, I am fun for now. It's, this is stressful because you don't know if it's gonna work, if it's not gonna work. You look at the query over and over and over again and you have it edited and people tell you that it's fine and still you're like, is it really? And you have doubts. But um, so that's to the people out there. I want to tell them if you're querying right now, just have faith that it's going to work. If it doesn't work with this book, it will, it will work with another book. But have faith with the book that you're currently uh, writing. If you do not get that one published, doesn't mean that it will never get published. You can always just query another one and maybe you will get agented and published and then you can offer the other books, you know, which is what a lot of authors do. So yeah, so stay strong and and insist. <laughs> so Don't give up. Don't give up. Never. So Alara, I think this has been all. These were all my questions. Um... Do you want to tell the people where can they find you? Sure, um, they can find me in Instagram in Aldera Thomas underscore writes and they can find me on Twitter. My handle is Aldera underscore Thomas four. Um, I'm more active on Instagram, but yeah, but I also have some things to say from time to time on, on Twitter. And I post on my Instagram um, snippets and teasers of my book and well books. I post aesthetics and I post um, sometimes art and I post lots of bookish photos. That's oh my god. I you should definitely follow her. Thank you so much Alara for coming on this podcast. I like I said like like I said you're such an inspiration and such a dear friend and I love you very much. Thank you so much. I love you too. And I can't thank you enough for doing this on the first try because we haven't tried this twice. <laughs> no, we haven't. <laughs> no, we haven't. Thank you so much. Um, so now we can say goodbye. Thank you for having me and thank you for everybody who has been listening and watching. And I hope to see you again soon. Goodbye. Bye-bye.